So I want to get straight to work. Is it okay if I do that? I would like to get straight to work. I could not, similar to last week, I could not confine our foundational text to just one passage of scripture. So we have three passages of scripture that are going to be the backdrop of this afternoon's preaching presentation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to first go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, shouldn't take you long to get there. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And then we're going to hop over to Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. And then we're going to conclude our foundational reading in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Three passages of scripture all in the same book. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Exodus chapter 3, verse 9, and Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. If you do not have a tangible Bible, it's okay. It will be projected for you on the screen. And everybody watching online, we will have it on the lower thirds for your reading along with us purposes. Is everybody ready? I'm not convinced. Are you ready? Starting first, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says, During that long period... The king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Somebody needs to highlight verse 25 just in case you ever forget that God is concerned about you. Your situation, God is concerned about it. What you're going through, God is concerned about it. And God was so concerned about their situation that he began to talk to the answer. See, sometimes we feel as though God is delaying with answering our prayer request. And it could be he's working on the answer. This is why you should not procrastinate with whatever God told you to do. That book, that idea, that YouTube channel, that ministry, that business, whatever it is, don't procrastinate because your yes could help somebody get out of Egypt. God did not just talk to the Israelites. He began to talk to Moses. He began to talk to the person that could help him be the answer to their problem. Can I get somebody to say, I'm an answer? So Exodus chapter three, verse nine, corroborates my claim. When God is having this conversation with Moses, he's saying, look, Moses, Momo, listen, um, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you because you're the answer. I am sending you because I hear them. I am sending you because they need my help. I'm sending you because it's your purpose. I'm sending you because it's your assignment. I'm sending you because it's your destiny. I am sending you to go to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
Now, time does not permit me to just read everything that happens from Exodus chapter 3 all the way to Exodus chapter 14. So I'm going to give you like a fast track version. God and Moses are having this conversation and God is like, listen, I need you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses is like, I really can't do that because I have a speech issue. I have a speech impediment. And God's like, okay, um, who made man's mouth? Who made the mute and the blind? Is it not I? Go. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses just keeps on telling God. He's like, no, you got the wrong one. You're doing 9 to 30. I'm not the one. Choose somebody else go get somebody else you ever try to negotiate with God he's not a good negotiator he's really not so after that Moses goes and he tells Pharaoh let my people go and then there are all these plagues God sends frogs and God sends locusts and all these hailstones start falling from the sky it gets really bad it gets really bad Moses is like okay you see all that that's because God wants his people free whenever God wants you free he will create conditions to get everybody else's attention who's holding you hostage so he's like yeah uh, I need you to let them go because they're mine they're not yours they're mine I need you to let them go and he's like no I'm not gonna let your people go so then God starts doing some more plagues and then boils and then like I said Kermit the frog is hopping along could y'all imagine sleeping and having frogs jump all over you and Pharaoh was like we're gonna deal with them tomorrow why are you putting off tomorrow putting off tomorrow when you can handle it today some of us are dealing with issues due to our disobedience today that you don't have to continue to deal with it tomorrow if you say yes today and then there's this one real bad plague that caused for the firstborn of Egypt to die then Pharaoh's like all right get your people and get out of here go so Moses and the Israelites they're going and they're probably turning up. They're probably like, we free now. We free now. Hey, hey, we free now. We're not a slave anymore. And Pharaoh starts to think about it for a second. He says, hold on, wait. What have I done? I have let them go and we have lost their services. Some people only come back in your life. Not because they want you, but they lost your, y'all better talk to me. They lost your service. So Pharaoh's like, we, we, we lost the services. Let's, let's go get them back. And he gets 600 chariots, right? And they're all coming behind them. And this is the passage where we're picking up, okay? I just had to do all that. I told y'all I was a student pastor, so I have to make the Bible come alive. Like, like good preaching is when it feels like you're a part of the story. So I'm trying to get y'all to understand what it was like. Y'all turning up. Y'all have been slaves for over 400 years. You free now. And then you start to see Pharaoh coming behind you. So that's where we're going to pick up at Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt, bro, that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to bring us up out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, as I'm engaged in sermon prep, I went back and I read. I could not find where they told Moses, leave us alone. It's better for us to serve the Egyptians. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? Isn't it funny, church family, how adversity 
will cause for us to romanticize memories but forget the hangover? Am I talking to anybody? Like, I'm like, okay, did y'all forget Pharaoh's whip, though? Did, did, did you forget what it was like to have that whip slash across your back? And you got whipped last week, and you also got sunburned because the Egyptian sun is beaming on you all day long. Did you forget what it was like to make bricks without straw? Ooh, let's modernize a text for somebody under the sound of my voice and watching online who is considering to go back to what God brought you out of. Let me talk to you for a second. Did you forget what it was like when you had no peace there? Did you forget what it was like when you couldn't sleep when you were there? Did, did you forget what it was like when your hair was falling out when you were there? Did you forget what it was like when you prayed and asked God? You said, God, okay, get me out of this. If you get me out of this one, you know, we try to give like negotiations to God. We're like, God, if you get me out of this, I won't smoke no more. I promise. If you get me out of this, I won't drink anymore. If you get me out of this, I won't go over their apartment anymore. If you let my cycle come, y'all not talking to me. If you let my cycle come, God, I promise I'm going to keep it locked. I promise. I promise, God. Just get me out of this one. Is this too real? <laughs> Oh, God, if you get me out of this one, romanticize <laughs> the memory, but, but forget the hangover. And don't judge the Israelites. Don't judge them because many of us are just like them. When we face adversity, going back to what God brought us out of becomes an option again. Right? Right? So don't judge them too much. And as we look, continue to look at the text, verse 13 says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That could preach all by itself, won't it? You will never see again. Again, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I feel like I'm Moses right now because God wants somebody to move on. Stop looking back on their page. Move on. Stop romanticizing the memory, but forgetting the hangover. Move on. Stop saying, if I would have done this, done this, then I probably wouldn't be here. Move on. Could y'all help me preach? Could you like fist bump two people around you and say, move on. Move on. Y'all even recognize for some of y'all, y'all are being prophetic. Move on. Move on. Why are you crying over that? Move on. Go ahead and get your last box of Kleenex and then move on. After today, how about let's start moving on. However, church family, it's going to be hard for us to make destiny decisions when your history is your counselor. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard for you to make destiny decisions when your history 
is your counselor. Before you can obey God, you have to first book a therapy session with your history. So my obedience is predicated on what my past says about me. I want to speak for a few moments, for just a few moments around this thought from this subject for part two of this brand new series, Making Peace with Your Past. Making peace, peace with your past. A lot of us, your decisions are affected by your past. And until you make peace with your past, you will not be able to make destiny decisions. God, would you help us in this moment? Would you help us in this moment to move forward? Help us, God, to stop being held hostage by what happened many yesterdays ago. Would you help us, God, to stop feeling disqualified because of what we have done yesterday? Really, truthfully, Lord, the only thing we deserve is hell and death. So anything we get besides hell and death is a blessing. Would you help us understand that you're awesome? Would you open our eyes to understand that you are good? Would you open our understanding to believe and know that you have a future for us and you want to give us the wisdom so that when we're right here in our present, we will make decisions that are conducive for our destiny versus decisions that have been affected by our past. And would you anoint my ellipse to be the oracle, the PA system of heaven. All the study means nothing. If you don't use me as your oracle in this moment, be magnified and glorified. And everybody who agree, or agrees with that prayer, would you shout amen? amen. Watching online, would you put in the room amen? Now, can I get all of us? I want us to say this confession. Y'all know how I do. I don't even have to explain it anymore. Can I get all of us to say, Father? Help me to move forward. My destiny is greater than my history. One more time. Father, help me to move forward. My destiny is greater than my history. Can we put our hands together for that? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, our clause of concern and the verses that I want you to consider that are going to serve us throughout this sermonic journey on this afternoon. First is verse 12 of our foundational text in Exodus chapter 14, where the Israelites said, didn't we tell you in Egypt, bruh? Like it's real when you don't say brother or bro, you say bruh. Didn't we tell you in Egypt, bruh? Leave us alone. It would have been better for us to die in Egypt, serve them, than to die out here in the desert. Bookmark that verse. Then I want you to consider verse 15, where God tells the Israelites, move on. So when we put these two passages together, on one side of the paradigm, they're saying, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? In other words, it would be better for us to go back in our past. On the other side of the paradigm, God is saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm never going to stop loving you. 
I'm never going to stop caring about you. I'm never going to stop being concerned about you. This is what I want you to do. I want you to move on. I have a hope for you. I have a plan for you. I have a future for you. So don't go back to Pharaoh. I want to take you over into your promise. I want to take you over into your promise. However, church family, what do you do when who you used to be and who you're going to be are in a tug of war match over your decision making? What do you do when your familiar place and a unknown place that God is calling you to. They are in a tug of war match over your decision making. Let's get real. What do you do when your petty self, y'all not talking to me, your petty self and your mature self are in a tug of war over your decision making because your petty self is like, I want to retaliate to that comment. I want to let them know I got time today. I didn't have time last time. Oh, but today I got time, cuz. I got time today. I want to give you all the smoke. But your mature self is saying, listen, the real flex is when you don't allow somebody to cause you to step out of your kingdom character. Remember who you are. Remember what you represent. That's your mature self. But they're in a tug of war over your decision making. What do you do when you struggle to have the faith to believe and ask God for anything? Like, like you struggle to ask God for favor. You struggle to ask God for clarity. You struggle to ask God for opportunities and open doors. You know why? Due to everything you have done. And so, you know, what we do we end up projecting ourselves on God. Talking to somebody. So what we really are doing is saying, if I was God, I wouldn't listen to me because of what I've done. If I was God, I wouldn't give me favor because of what I've done. If I was God, I wouldn't have any opportunities for me because of what I have done. But can I give y'all a shocking illumination? This is real deep. Like all my note takers, you might need to take this down. This is real deep. This is like scuba diving deep. You are not You are not God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The way you view you is not the way that he views you. And for some of us, for some strange reason, we're trying to punish ourselves. I'm talking to somebody. For some strange reason, we're trying to ground ourselves. Because I have done so much wrong and so much evil. If I was God, I would do that to me. So I don't ask for anything. I don't have faith for anything. I don't even have dreams anymore. See, you have to be careful because if you're not careful, your past can rob you of the ability to dream. Okay, now listen. Some dreams you have, God gave you. 
He gave you that dream. You know what a dream is sometimes? All a dream is sometimes, not all the time. I'll explain it in a second. Sometimes all a dream is is a snapshot of your coming harvest if you don't faint. That's all it is. It's a snapshot of your coming harvest if you don't faint. God gave Joseph a dream that didn't manifest until years later. Sometimes God is showing you a snapshot of where I'm going to take you if you don't faint. I'm not talking about dreams because you want to flex on them and dreams because you want nice cars and dreams because you want to post and show everybody, look at me, I got money. That's for your glory. That's vanity. I'm talking about a dream for the kingdom of God, a dream to advance his kingdom. Some dreams you have, God gave you. And when you allow your past to rob you of that dream, it could rob you of making critical steps to go towards the route that God has told us to go to. I don't dream anymore. I don't have petitions anymore. I don't have desires anymore. And I think the reason this happens is because everything about our life, our culture, and our society is rewarding off of behavior. Everything. Like even when you're a child in elementary school, you do good, you get a sticker and a Jolly Rancher. Right? You do bad, we take your sticker, you don't get a Jolly Rancher, or how it was for me when I was in elementary school, you get a card change. That was bad. If they change your card, that was bad. So everything in your, everything about culture and society trains you to believe it's all about behavior. Now this is how it messes us up in the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, you deserve an F. But Jesus gave you an A. Look, look, not by works. We are saved by grace through faith. Not by works that anyone should boast. We deserve an F. But due to what Jesus did, we get an A. Due to us surrendering to him, we get an A. Listen, please hear me. Please hear me. When you understand this, see, the gospel is good news. Yes, we talk about sin because it's a stumbling block with your intimacy with Jesus. A church that does not preach about sin does not preach sound doctrine. Okay? But good news means gospel. Gospel means good news. So I have good news this afternoon. You deserve an F, but in Christ he gave you an A. That's good news. Okay, let, let, me, let me tell you a real story to better cooperate my claim and prove my point. Years ago when I was in college, I was a student pastor, and we were going to have a youth Sunday. And youth Sunday was when the youth would come, they would sing during praise and worship, we would step during praise and worship, and I had the opportunity to preach, okay? I only have about five times a year. For the most part, upstairs, still in this building, I preached every Sunday to college students, high school students, middle, middle school students. So I studied, but... There was a different, like, level of study when I knew I had to preach in here. You understand? Like, I, I don't just, it's just crazy to me. I don't just copy and just preach something. No, I want to hear God. Like, God, give me revelation. Give me a rhema word so that the people that you have me speak to could leave here with something they did not have before. So I really like study, study. My wife can tell you, and I thank God for her. She helps me. She allows me to have time to study, to really just seek God. And so this particular weekend when I had the opportunity to study, 
I don't know what happened. My professor was like, we have a major test on Friday. <laughs> and everybody started complaining he had an accent. He said, okay, we'll have it on Monday. And so now I'm thinking like, all right, I got to preach on Sunday. I have a major biology exam on Monday. Am I going to study for my sermon? Or am I going to study for my test? If I don't really study for my sermon, like, I can't fail. But my, my, my test, I can fail. And so then I just got churchy and I was like, you know what? God did say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's a true story, y'all. God did say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. All right. So I'm going to study for my sermon. So I studied for my sermon all day Friday, all day Saturday. Woke up early Sunday morning and studied some more. And I preached that Sunday. Church was awesome. It was great. Young people got saved. It was just exciting. But right after church, I got my biology book. And I studied the rest of the evening. Woke up early Monday morning. I studied. Now it's time to take the test. First half of the test, I knew it. But the second half, I was like, I don't remember this dude teaching this. Anybody ever took a course? You're like, when do we cover this? All these terms. I don't, I don't remember this. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, help me because I put you first. <laughs> Y'all ever done that with God? Like trying to like, remember, hey, I was faithful. So once I turned the test in, I already had anxiety over it because it was one of those classes where it was that test, the midterm, and the final. That's it. You only get three tests, okay? So that Wednesday on our, we had something called Blackboard. All students could log on and see, you know, your grades, whatever. And he didn't post the grades. He said, class is canceled. Everybody come to my office to get your test score. Now that gave me even more anxiety. So I get to his office and I look and I made a 57. Now that hurts. Some of y'all didn't hurt, but it hurt me. Cause I was like, I sought your face, God. <laughs> that hurt. And he looked up to me and he said, Mr. Flowers, what happened? I said, uh, I had a responsibility at my church. I don't even remember this test being in the syllabus. Um, I just studied more for my service, and I started to study for this too late. I didn't apply myself. This man changed my 57 to a 90. That don't happen in college, y'all. That don't happen, right? Now look, I look at my test, and he says, shh, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, you know that God is a good God, yeah. I was, now look, look, what that did, it made me get to class early. It made me study harder. I wanted to show you I appreciate what you did for me. When you understand that you went from an F, but Jesus gave you an A, you will begin to pray. You will begin to fast. You will begin to seek his face. You will begin to serve. You will begin to worship. You will begin to praise him because you know what you deserved. And I begin to ask other students, what'd y'all make? A 60, 70. I said, that's all that happened. Did he curve it? No, he didn't curve it. I was like, why he do it for me? And I still don't know why besides the favor of God. I didn't walk around and say, Dr. Isaiah is cool. He gonna just let me pass. I studied harder because I wanted to show him I was thankful. Can I get somebody to say I'm grateful? 
So when you recognize what God has done in your life, you can't help but worship. You can't help but give him praise. But for many of us, the reason we cannot make destiny decisions is because we're stuck on the past. I tried to get us to understand this. God sees your life in reverse. That, that changes everything. He sees your life in reverse. He knows your end from the beginning. Yeah, I, I just done so much evil. Reverse evil. You get live. Live for me. I don't go to church. All the pastors, are, they're just a wolf. Reserve, reverse wolf. You get flow. Live in your flow. He's the God of reverse. See, look. So let's say this is, this is your life, right? What God does is he will give you a direction from here while you're here. <laughs> it doesn't make sense while you're here because he's talking to you from here. And he's like, okay, while you're here, make this decision because it'll be conducive when you get here. I'm not judging you from here. I see you from the whole book. And so God begins to talk to us from here while we're here. Now, the reason it's hard for us to receive that is because you live and read your life from here. Does that make sense? You can't get over what happened here. So when he tells you a word from here, it doesn't make sense because you feel disqualified from here. And I'm trying to get you to understand that it's not by works. It's the God of reverse. And I feel led by the Holy Spirit to help somebody on this afternoon to learn how to make peace with your past. When we finished the King Encounter series, I informed us, I see why God caused us to go this direction. Because once you meet your maker, it is for the purpose of you discovering why you have been made. Now I need us to hear me, please hear me. You will never be able to make destiny decisions until you have formed a peace treaty with your past. Did y'all hear what I just said? You will never be able to make destiny decisions. What is that? A decision and a choice that's conducive for your tomorrow. A decision and a choice that's conducive for your next. A decision and a choice that's conducive for your purpose. A decision and choices that are conducive for your destiny. You will never be able to make destiny decisions until you have made a peace treaty with your past. Now, what is a peace treaty? I researched this, y'all. A peace treaty is an agreement between two or three hostile parties who have formally agreed to end war. That's all a peace treaty is. A peace treaty is an agreement between two, three, or more hostile parties that have formally decided we're going to end a state of war. We're not going to fight anymore. Watch this. <clears throat> a lot of us, your past, your heart, your mind, and your decisions are hostile towards your destiny. They're hostile towards the future version of you. They're hostile to the next level version of you. Why? Because you have allowed your past to become your pharaoh. Talk, Holy Ghost. You have allowed your past 
to become your Pharaoh. So now I'm like, okay, Pharaoh's coming behind me. Where is God leading me? And I really can't hear God because I've empowered my past to be my God. I hope y'all are hearing this. This is so good, y'all. And the reason I feel God wants us to go this route is because you have to understand that your past is in your head and your heart, but your future is in God's hands and your decisions. Did you hear me? I told us last week, remember, don't be foolish. In Ecclesiastes, he told us this. Don't be foolish. Don't be wicked. Don't make foolish choices that will cause for you to die before your time. Because God has a purpose for you. He has a mission for you that he wants to fulfill. And so how do I do this? Ecclesiastes 3 told us last week by being occupied with your God-given task. Your past is in your head and your heart. But your future is in God's hands and your decisions. When you make decisions that are conducive for God's will for your life. When you make decisions that are in agreement and endorsed by what God has for you to do. That's a destiny decision. God wants to help us today to make peace. A peace treaty with your past. Your past. Your past. Listen, your past is supposed to be your point of reference. Not your place of residence. Okay? I can't live there and make destiny decisions while I'm here at the same time. God wants to help us this afternoon to make peace. A peace treaty with your past. Please hear me. Watch this, y'all. Not making peace with your past will cause for resentment to be your roommate. Holy Spirit is talking. Not making peace with your past causes for resentment to be a roommate. No wonder you have a resentment towards your mother. No wonder you have a resentment towards your dad, towards your wife, towards your husband, towards your ex-wife, your ex-husband, your baby daddy, your baby mama, whatever it is. No wonder you have resentment towards your ex-pastor. Uh-oh. No wonder you have resentment towards yourself because you feel like you've wasted so much time. That has caused for resentment and your decisions to be roommates. If I could just be transparent this afternoon. This is something God dealt with me about. I remember one day I was praying and if I'll be honest, I was just beating myself up. Just verbally abusing myself in prayer. <laughs> and I felt God talk to me. I said, Jerry, one of the assignments of the Holy Spirit is to conform you to the image and likeness of Jesus, right? Right? Okay. One of the ways that you could be like Jesus is to forgive you. Did y'all hear what I just said? You preach and all that, and you always tell people being a Christian is not one that likes Christ. Being a Christian is one that is Christ-like. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ forgave you. So maybe one of the ways you could be like him is to forgive you too. See, anybody that struggles with forgiving themselves, this, this is the journey 
of making peace with your past because forgiveness is a signature. Forgiveness is a signature on the peace treaty that you hand your past. It's you signing and making peace. I'm not just going to forgive others. That's biblical. That's Bible. That's sound doctrine all day. That's true. But can you also forgive you? Forgive you. Forgive you. Forgive yourself for not knowing what you know now. You know better now. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for all the times you failed for a counterfeit. You didn't care about the gospel back then. You didn't value wisdom back then. You wasn't seeking God's face back then. Forgive you. Forgive you. Forgive yourself for all the times you did not listen to wisdom's plea, but you thought you had a better choice. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for all the times you ignored the red flag. Now you value God's presence. Now you value God's hand. Now you value God's voice you didn't before forgive yourself for all the times you intentionally disobeyed you did it on purpose and you knew it now you're in a place where God purged me purged my heart whatever you want for me God I want it too if you don't want it God I don't want it and if I still want to help change my desires can I get somebody to say forgive yourself yourself. Jesus forgives you one of the ways that you could be like him is to forgive you too. Ooh, this is so good for somebody. Forgive yourself. Also, forgive those who didn't know. Like, forgive your parents. I know it is hard being parented by wounded souls. That's hard. But many of them didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes they did, but you still got to forgive to free you. And don't try to get them back. See, trying to make people pay for what they did is also costing you. Can I help us? Because now it's getting quiet. Let me give us three reasons why you shouldn't try to execute revenge. First reason is it affects your decision making. Period. When you want to get somebody back, or to make them pay for what they did to you. Don't let them embarrass you. You want to clap back. That affects your decision making. Because bitterness will always cause for your vision and decisions to be in a fog. And hear me. It is hard to discover destiny lanes when revenge is giving you directions. Hard. For you to discover what God wants to do in your life. When you are allowing revenge to give you directions, don't try to prove them wrong. That keeps them center in your heart. When you just try to live out what God wants you to do, that decenters them. Talk, Holy Ghost. The, the second reason on why revenge is so dangerous, simple, it doesn't please or honor God. Give you Bible, Proverbs chapter 20. Verse 22, it says, do not say, I will pay you back for this wrong. I don't need to keep reading. I don't. Do not say, I will pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. So let me, let me help us. One of the ways that God exercise, exercises vengeance is not by killing your enemies. I know some of us are like, shoot, I wish. 
<laughs> I wish. <laughs> One of the ways that God exercises vengeance is not by killing or removing your critics. So good, y'all. It's by keeping them around long enough to witness you succeed. I'm going to bless you in front of their face. I'm going to grow your ministry in front of their face. I'm going to give you favor in front of their face. I'm going to give you opportunities in front of their face. Don't try to get them back the way I exercise vengeance. Is I'm going to keep them around long enough. See, some of us are blocking the wrong lurkers. Let them keep watching. They're going to be instrumental in taking back the report that you want. Keep on watching. Bible all day. Anytime you try to sabotage or destroy somebody else, you're just setting up your own demise. That's it. I can give you Bible all day with Queen Esther. Queen Esther was in a position and her uncle Mordecai was like, listen, this dude Haman is tripping. Haman is tripping because I won't bow down to him and worship him. You need to tell King Xerxes about this so that we could do something about it. And so Queen Esther, with her classy self, goes before King Xerxes and Haman is sitting right there. And she's like, listen, this dude right here is trying to kill the Jews. Now, in, in, in a few passages before, Haman has set up a gallow because he was going to try to get Mordecai killed on it. But once Queen Esther went to King Xerxes and told him what Haman was going to do, look at this, Esther chapter 7 verse 10, it says, so they hanged Haman on the gallow that he had prepared for Mordecai. Yeah. Stop trying to get people back. You could be setting up your own demise. Touch not my anointed. Let me get back to my notes. Okay, let me get back to my notes. Third one, this one was confusing to me when God gave it to me, but then I understood it. The reason we don't try to get people back is because it's stealing. It's stealing. You may not get it yet. I didn't get it either. Don't get anyone back that's stealing. Okay, God, what do you mean? Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, somebody say on me. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, it is mine. Got it? It is mine to avenge. I will repay. So when you try to repay, you're stealing what's God's. That's mine. Vengeance is mine. And then I got the revelation, y'all. This is why you pray for your enemies. Because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen if you don't repent. You just mess with one of God's sons. You just mess with one of God's daughters. I'm going to pray for you so that you can repent. Because God's going to avenge me. That helps me pray for people. I don't want you to experience the wrath of God. I don't want God to get you straight. So you know what? Repent. Makes it easier for you to pray <laughs> for your enemies when you understand this reality. I understand that being parented or having relationships with wounded people is difficult. But if, if you don't know how to apply biblical principles on yourself, it's going to be strenuous for you to try to apply them to others. It's making peace with yourself. Making peace with your past and forgiving yourself is not acting as though it never happened. 
It's just choosing to rise above it. This is important for two reasons. Number one, it's a kingdom principle. This is why I tell us on Therapy Thursday, yo, there are going to be biblical mandates and requirements that we're supposed to carry out as benevolent followers of Jesus that is going to require for us to have health on the inside to do it. It's going to be hard for you to forgive them if you don't even know how to forgive you. So first thing, it's a kingdom principle. The second thing, and this just rocked me to my core as I was studying it. The reason you have to make peace with your past is because if you don't, you will live exhausted. You know why you're so exhausted? You're spending all your strength on fights that have expired. I'm going to just let that say lie. I wonder if this is why you feel so exhausted. I wonder if this is why you laid down and you slept last night, but you still woke up tired. I wonder if this is why you have headaches during the day and, and migraines during the day and the Advil is not working and the Tylenol is not working and the Motrin is not working and you've gone to the doctor and they have done MRIs and they have performed CAT scans and they can't find anything to detect why you have these headaches and I'm here to let you know it's because you're exhausted fighting expired fights. So you stand before your fights that you have to fight today exhausted. God will give you the supernatural grace and the supernatural power to fight, to fight fights that are conducive for your destiny. David and Goliath all day. But God will not give you power and grace for fights that no longer matter. You're tired and you're exhausted because your past has taken all your strength today. But you need that because your destiny requires a fight. Your purpose requires a fight. Your calling requires a fight. You telling me you're going to spend it on something that has expired? Nobody in here in their right mind will consume spoiled milk. But you do it every time you reflect on the past. And you wonder why you're sick in the present. Talk Holy Ghost. I'm exposing a satanic strategy, y'all. Why do you think he brings your past up so much? I want you so tired from your past so that when a critical decision, decision shows up in front of you, you're so exhausted that you can't make a decision from wisdom. You make a decision from tiredness. Oh, the last three people you dated was because you were tired. Yeah. Tired of waiting and tired of trusting God. I'm talking. The reason you watched pornography last night is because you were tired. You were tired for fighting for purity. You were tired. So this is one of the tactics of the enemy to get you to use strength on things that don't matter. So when you face things that do matter, you're too tired. Too exhausted. Now let's get back to Moses. <laughs> that was a lot. I thank God that Moses had an encounter with God. The reason I say that's important because one word from God could change everything. Just one. Just one. When they were doing all of that, talking, it's better for us to die in Egypt. It would have been better for us. Why did you bring us out here? Thank God Moses wasn't like, I know I was tripping. I thought God let us out. Let's go tell Pharaoh we're sorry. Let's go tell. What kept those? Now, y'all have to understand, this looked bad, y'all. This looked really bad. Really bad. 
I want y'all to like experience what this felt like. Imagine y'all are free, right? And y'all, y'all are walking towards the Red Sea turning up. We free now, we free now, we free now. Hey, hey, we, like y'all just excited and y'all just start to hear this rumbling sound. You walking and you begin to hear this, this rumbling sound off in the distance. First, it starts slow. And then it begins to rise. Y'all are dancing and singing the whole time. Thanking God for the freedom. Thanking God for the opportunity to be free. And you start to hear this. Imagine being a mother with your two-year-old. Like, hold on, what is that? You look behind you and you see 600 horses, y'all walking, and they, y'all are just walking. And they're coming behind you. Could you imagine the terror? Now look at this, when you start to run, Carl, put it on the screen. When you start to run, this is what you see. So I got my past coming behind me, and I got waters in front of me. I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do? I see a dead in this way, and I see my past that way. Does anybody ever feel like your past is coming behind you? As soon as you thought you were free, as soon as you thought you were over it, you get that text, you get that email, you get that call. Your past is coming behind you. What do you do when God deliberately places you in the middle? God deliberately places you between what was and what's going to be. He's telling you to move forward. See, some of y'all just read it and was like, hey man, move forward. But I'm thinking if you were the Israelites, this is what move forward looked like. Okay. <laughs> move forward to what? Drowning? What you want me to move forward to? <laughs> move forward. I'm like, why didn't the Bible say to what? When I heard Moses say, listen, just move forward, I'd be like, to what, fool? I can't swim. Do you know how to swim? Hey, who know how to swim? I would have been messy. I'd have, who know how to swim? Hey, can you build a raft real quick? <laughs> listen, y'all. God deliberately placed them in the middle. And what I believe kept Moses was verse 10. Verse 10, where it says, so now go. I am sending you Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I believe that's what kept them. Because once I turned around and I saw this, if I'm Moses, <laughs> and I look and I see the horses, before I start to trip, I'm thinking, hold on, wait a minute, God told me. To go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So he's going to do something. Listen, y'all. Anytime God gives you a word that does not match your situation, God going to do something. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how. But all I know is God told me, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, this is the crazy thing about God. Forgive me. This is the crazy thing about God. He never tells you what's going to happen along the route. Like when I read my Bible, he did not say, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go and I'm going to lead you to a Red Sea. I don't see that. 
This is why you just need one word from God. One word from God. Can I get two brothers? Come up here. You're not going to say nothing. You come up here. Just, just another brother. You're not going to say nothing. I just want you to see it. Just a brother. Y'all coming fast. Can I just have one more brother? Mike. Come on, Mike. Come on. Y'all looking nervous. Y'all ain't going to have to preach. All right. I want you to stand right there. Face the audience. You stand right there. Face the audience. This is what I believe God does. He's going to represent past. I'm going to represent present. And he's going to represent future. What I believe God does is he goes and takes a picture of your future. Puts it in your bosom while you're here. Because he knows you're going to need the encouragement when you get here. People are going to talk about you when you get here. People are going to make fun of you when you get here. Your family going to turn on you when you get here. You're going to lose some friends when you get here. But the reason I gave you a snapshot of there is so that when you get here, you won't go back to there. Does this make sense? I don't want you to go back to there. This is why you have to be careful with your relational choices while you're here. Because they may not be conducive when you're there. Oh, I feel like I'm dancing. It won't be conducive. Now, look, you know what this kind of looks like to me? Has anybody ever had a layover? I hate those. I had one that was like five hours once. A layover. This, this kind of looks like a layover. The middle. The middle. The middle. Where you're not where you're going to be and you're not where you used to be. You're in the middle. Layover. Layover, layover, layover. You know what happens at a layover? People switch flights. Some people who left with you when you departed leave you at the layover. And it's okay because even though they left, I'm still going over here. Does this make sense? So, so the purpose of this series is I want y'all to start thinking here. Even if you're right here. And don't let Mike constantly haunt you when you're here. Because your past always tells you to come back. Tell me to come back. Your past is always saying, come here. Text back. Respond back. Clap back. Do that. Your past is always saying that. But if you can remember God has taken you here... When you get here and you face this, you won't doubt the God that gave you the snapshot when you were here. Does this make sense? Y'all can take your seats. Thank you so much, bro. Appreciate you, Mike. So I, I, I want to just give you a few points. You hear all this stuff. Okay, okay. Make peace with your past. I get it. Okay. How? I think the first step you have to do to make peace with your past is process the voices. Okay. Whenever you're about to make a decision, process the voices. Because there's a voice of guilt, there's a voice of shame, and there's a voice of conviction. Can you discern which one's talking to you right now? Process the voices. Man, I feel like this is helping somebody. Listen, the voice of guilt gives you regret over an action. That's guilt. Feel something about your past. Guilt hands you regret due to something you really did. That's guilt, okay? Now watch this. The voice of shame gives you a label from that action. 
It's a difference. Guilt hands you regret for what you have did. Shame labels you as you are what you have done. I am a failure. I am a screw up. I am an adulterer. I am a porn watcher. I am a horrible person. I am a terrible mother. That is when shame has gave you accessories for you to wear. Okay? Process the voices. The voice of conviction gives you a reminder. You've been made for more than this. Y'all see that? Process the voices to identify if your past is haunting you, could it be because you only listen to the voice of guilt and shame? What you have done, you did do it. And now you're wearing the label of you've done it. But the voice of conviction, see, sin means to miss the mark. That's what sin means by definition, to miss the mark. Conviction is saying you missed that, okay? You missed that mark, but remember you are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. And what you just did was not God-like. Okay? That is beneath the individual who has called themselves as a follower of Jesus. So let's turn from that. Repent now. Repent remorse is not the same. I don't know why pastor's not preaching about repentance. You could be crying, snotting, and doing all that and not change. Repent is a change of the mind. Metamufu, it means a metamorphosis. I have changed my mind. I'm turning away from that. That is repentance, not remorse. You go, oh, I messed up, I did something. Do the same thing, same heart. Repentance is when I turn away. Every day, peace and chaos are going to show up at the door of your life in the form of choices. Every day. And the first thing that we need to be able to do is be able to process the voices. Now look at this, John chapter 8. I want us to see this, verse 7. It says, so when they continued, this is a woman who was just caught in the act of adultery. It says, so when they continued asking him, he raised up himself and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him go ahead and throw the first stone. Then those who heard it being, what's that word? Convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, neither do I condemn you neither do I and I'm like but he could have he's God in the flesh he could have Jesus knew I'm going to pay for that in a few days a few days I'm going to pay for your sin on the cross so the first step when it comes to healing and making peace with our past is process the voice number two the second step is for you to know Ishmael mistakes don't prohibit Isaac. Okay? You made a mistake and you got an Ishmael. You do. But that doesn't stop Isaac from coming. Why do you feel as though your life is over? That choice was so bad. God's like, did you forget? Remember earlier in the sermon? This part? I, I know you're, you're in from the beginning. So 
Your Ishmael mistake didn't shock me. I knew it. God is so good. And God is so gracious. Where he could even use the mistakes of your past. There you go. To be your testimony. Let's go ahead and have a testimony. Y'all know the Ishmaelites, right? Can I say somebody say Ishmaelites? The Ishmaelites were the caravan that took Joseph over into Egypt. What is Ishmael's? Abraham, I couldn't wait on God. So Abraham's mistake became a transportation system for somebody else. Your, your, your Ishmael doesn't prohibit your Isaac. Last point, not deep. Decide to believe God's word. Decide to believe it. Remember I told us, Decide is two words, D and side. It means to kill off pesticide, homicide, genocide, to kill off. Kill off every other thing that does not line up with the word of God. Decide what you're going to believe. He tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, popular scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. I'm thankful that Moses was able to remember what God told him. And due to technology, there was a time in our life where we had phones like this. Y'all remember this? <laughs> phones like this. You had to walk around with it, watch the quarters on the phone. Constantly in your ear. And then like the early 90s, Bro, you were lit if you had a cell phone like this, dude. <laughs> this big old cell phone, you were like dope if you had one of these. Look at this. <laughs> so I said, it's a brick. <laughs> now, technology has come to this, but I recognize all of them are constantly making it easier for something to stay in your ear. So we walk around all day like this to where we can't even hear because we're listening to so much. Watch me, y'all. If one of the powers for the Christian is I'm able to hear the voice of God, Jesus says it this way, I'm the shepherd, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. His benedictory statement always was, those who have ears, let them hear. If your superpower is I could hear God, the method of Satan is going to be to flood your life with voices and sound. So that when you face the middle, I'm so caught up with what I'm listening to that I don't even remember the snapshot that God put in me while I was here. So that when I'm here, I won't go back to there. What's in your ear? Decide who you're going to believe. You could use this to listen to Drake. You could use this to listen to the Bible. It's all your decision. You could use this to entertain yourself. You could use this to educate yourself. It's all your decision. Don't allow the advancement of technology to cause you to be more polluted and you're called to be the solution. <laughs>